the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed it is, and hour number two is underway at nine minutes past ten o'clock on this Reaction Wednesday, the seventh morning of the eleventh month of the year of our Lord, 2018. The election is in the books. The elections, plural, are in the books, and now it is about reaction and about plowing our way forward through the next two years of what is going to be interminable gridlock. Make no mistake about that. However, that does not mean everything is negative, and we have a lot of opportunity now to discuss in this next hour. We are guest-free to discuss um, the the way forward, to discuss the ramifications of a leftist-slash-Democrat-controlled House of Representatives and what they're going to try to do that will have the brakes slammed upon it by the expanded Republican majority in the United States Senate. I want to play for you, before I go to phone calls, 216-901-0945. Get in line now. 888-281-1110. We'll put you up. I want to play for you a little bit of Nancy Pelosi's quote-unquote victory speech last night after the Dems. It uh, became clear that they were going to have enough seats to win control of the House. And by the way, let's point out, this is one of the uh, observations of the failed blue wave that I was referring to from Daniel Horowitz. It was not bad, historically speaking. I want to hit this again and again and again, because I don't want the left to be able to continue with their, uh, their narrative that this was some sort of repudiation of President Trump. It absolutely was not. Uh, when you look at this from a historical perspective, the, the Democrats are going to pick up between 32 and 34 House seats and flip control uh, of the House with about a 10-seat majority. Republicans, however, picked up three to four Senate seats. Historically, the number of House seats lost is in line with the sort of backlash the incumbent party incurs in midterms, no matter who that party is, especially when they control all branches of government. The fact that they were able to win in the Senate, the Republicans, that is, 
and buck the trend is due to the polarized map working in their favor, but also shows this was not a historic repudiation of Trump. Obama lost 63 House seats and six Senate seats in 2010. Republicans lost five governorships uh, last night. Obama lost six. But some of that was due to bad candidate recruitment or overexposure in blue states. They lost seven legislative chambers, not nearly as many as Democrats did, and not bad considering the high water mark that they were occupying heading into the election. That is important. What else is important, before I go to Nancy Pelosi, what else is important to understand and remember anyway, is that some of the seats that the Republicans lost that were flipped were not due to just Democrats voting out or, or you know, being voted in to oust an incumbent. There were a lot of retirements. There was a lot of, um, uh, there was a lot of attrition in this, in this particular election cycle. There were members retiring, and those were empty seats that were then just contested by, you know, uh, candidates who may or may not have had any political experience. This wasn't as though they were choosing Democrats to oust existing Republicans for doing a poor job. In many of these cases, uh, it was because of empty seats. So I just think that's important, again, as you try to look to really get an honest analysis of what this says or does not say about the president and his popularity with the people. Um, because you know how the left is going to spin that. All right, now having said all of that, I want you to hear from Nancy Pelosi, and I want you to listen very closely to the hypocrisy and the mixed messaging already as she simultaneously says, we're out to get the GOP, but I hope we can work together. <laughs> I mean, this is, you know, you can't, you can't write speeches like this. Only Democrats can, and they certainly do read them as well. Listen. Democrats and Republicans, it's about restoring the Constitution's checks and balances to the Trump administration. It's about stopping the GOP and Mitch McConnell's assaults on Medicare, Medicaid, the Affordable Care Act, and the health care of 130 million Americans living with pre-existing medical conditions. Let's hear it more for pre-existing medical conditions. You know, you notice how 10 years after the passage of Obamacare, 10 years of, uh, after we were told that we could keep our medical plans, we could keep our health insurance coverage, we could keep the doctors we had, 10 years later, they, do, they are just unabashed. They are just absolutely um, tone deaf. Uh, I'm trying to figure out different ways to say it. They don't care. They're expressing they don't care about all of the millions of Americans who still can't get the same great affordable insurance they had prior to Obamacare being slammed through. They don't give a rip about anybody who lost their insurance or whose deductibles went through the roof, whose premiums went through the roof, whose copays went through the roof, who can't get the same physicians. That They don't care. They just continue to use their campaign sound bites about people with pre-existing conditions as if they are the only people uh, on uh, in the country whose medical needs matter, and of course they matter. But you cannot, as Obamacare tried to do, rip the the, the programs that, in fact, not tried to do, did do. You cannot just accept the, expect the American people to accept having their their, poli- their policies and their coverage ripped away from them so that you can cover other people that you hope to get votes from. But I don't want to get too off into the weeds on that. More of Nancy. Spending wealthy special interests free reign over Washington. But more than anything, 
It's about what a new democratic majority will mean in the lives of hardworking Americans. This is where it gets good. Listen to what she's, she's, she's pledging. Demo- That's what it's about. Democrats pledge a Congress that works for the people. For the people. Lower the cost of health care by lowering the cost of prescription drugs. Raise workers' wages. With- Stop. Raise workers' wages. The economic policies of Donald Trump and the Republican Party have us right now with the highest increase in wages in a decade, which would include all eight years of Democrat rule in the White House. She's going to say that the the Democrats are going to raise wages? Wages were suppressed under eight years of Barack Obama and are only increasing now under Donald Trump, but she says the Democrats will raise wages? Strong economic growth by build, rebuilding... Wait, what? Strong economic growth? That's what a Democrat Congress is going to do? Do you really want to do this? Speaker-elect Pelosi? Do you really want to go there? 4.3%. Pacing at 3 to 4% again in this quarter. The economy stagnated under Democrat leadership for eight solid years. How can you stand there and say these things just in the face of, of economic indicators and statistics that are so, so plain for anybody and everybody to read and to see? How do you say this? For the people. Lower the cost of health care by lowering the cost of prescription drugs. Raise workers' wages with strong economic growth by rebuilding the infrastructure of America. Clean up corruption to make Washington work for all Americans. Clean up corruption? Clean up corruption. The Democrats. The Democrats, the purveyors and the owners and operators of the swamp want to clean up corruption in Washington. We will take real, very, very strong legislative action to legislate, to negotiate down the price control of prescription drugs. That How is many seniors times? And across. I mean, do they have any? Do they have anything else to offer here? Anything else to say? Because she just continues to repeat the same thing because she knows she cannot talk about unemployment figures. She knows she cannot really talk about the economy other than that general uh, statement that she made. I mean, it, it's, it's, you know, it's, it, it's an echo chamber. She just continues to repeat Across the same America. thing. We will deliver a transformational investment in America's infrastructure to create more good-paying jobs, rebuilding our roads, bridges, schools, water systems. What does that sound like? What does that sound like? That was Obama's stimulus plan. They put three-quarters of a trillion dollars into just that. They were all shovel-ready jobs, you remember? It did nothing but waste our three-quarters of a trillion dollars. This is what we're going to go back to. I Look, I warned people about this in whatever way I could, on the local level and on the national level when I was sitting in for some of the uh, the, the giants, you know, Hugh and Prager and Elder, uh, warning people, and I know they're sounding the same warning. You vote to reinstate Democrat power in the House. You vote to go back to the days of economic malaise and stagnation and lower wages and, and, and the same exact things that we had during the Obama administration. And here she is on the night of the election, proving me right, saying this is exactly what we're going to do. We're going to go back and do the same things the same way we did them, or try to anyway, when Obama was president. 
And what is that? Again, it's an often repeated phrase, but sometimes it's worthwhile. The definition of insanity is repeating the same thing again and again, but expecting a different result each time. It doesn't work that way. Uh, broadband networks and bre- schools and housing and beyond. We will drain the swamp of dark interest oh, yeah! money in our elections. Because when we do, Americans have greater confidence in everything their Congress works on, from health care to taxes to guns to clean air and clean water for our children when they... Health care to taxes to guns. You, you heard what she just said. We're going to try to reimpose the individual mandate. We are going to try to take your guns from you, and we're going to raise your taxes back up. That's what American just Americans just voted to put back in power. And it's not like this is she's just telling you this after the fact. They told us this before the elections, and now they're saying, we got it, we won, so therefore it's going to happen. Again, you know, if I sound defeatist and if I sound gloom and doom right now, it's just because I'm listening to Nancy Pelosi speak. We do have the break wall. However, of the United States Senate and a much stronger majority. It's going to be a 55 instead of a 51-member majority. Uh, and so any of this nonsense that the left tries to do from the House side is going to be, you know, the brakes are going to be slammed on it by the, the, the uh, Republican-controlled Senate in almost all circumstances. So I just wanted to hear from her just a little bit. Uh, just so you can kind of, and, and by the way, the second half of that speech is when she started talking about unity and trying to, you know, e pluribus unum from many one, and we're going to work for all Americans, blah, blah, blah. So she's calling for civility and working together in bipartisanship after two and a half minutes of telling everybody uh, what the GOP is doing wrong and how they're going to stop them. Yeah, it doesn't work that way, Nance. It really does not work that way. Thank God President Trump worked so hard for the Senate because that's how we stop this nonsense. All right, uh, we'll get traffic now. Come back into your phone calls on AM 1420, The Answer. The thing they call me back when all the stars will smile for me. I'm 92. All right, 1025, we'll get to the phones and uh, get some of your reactions to what happened yesterday. Obviously, uh, very, very excited about issue one failing. So huge. Shocked by that, by the way. 63% people of the voters voted against issue one yesterday. Uh, thank goodness. Reason and common sense won over. Thank goodness Ohio voters saw through uh, Richard Cordray as well and saw through Steve Dettelbach as well and sided instead uh, on the rule of law and, and on the side of law and on the side of law enforcement and on the side of Safety uh, against uh, the the expanded drug use and drug trafficking that would have come into this into this uh, uh, into this state. Issue one would have been a disaster, and it was supported by the likes of Cordray and others uh, on the Democrat side. Thank goodness that the uh, Republican voters got out in force yesterday in the state of Ohio. Uh, let's go to um, Joanne in Twinsburg. You're on AM fourteen twenty. The answer. Hi, Joanne. Go ahead. Morning, Bob. I guess. <laughs> well, you know, um, I'm, I'm, I know. Not, I'm not hanging my head right now because I expected what we got in the House. And I'm very, very encouraged to know that we do have that uh, that that wall, you know, that would stop anything from being anything uh, ridiculous happening yeah. on the House side uh, because Thank we expanded God. our growth in the Senate. Yes. But uh, I have two things. First of all, leadership for the Republicans in the House. I mean, are we going to stick with Kevin McCarthy, who's going to do the same old Washington speak? I think the guy's a conservative, but I think he'll just go along and explain away why Republicans are going to go along with the Democrats, where maybe even Jim Jordan, as the leader of the Republicans, can articulate 
what's wrong with what they want to do and why we're not going to let them do it. I would I love mean, to see him be the minority yes, leader. I mean, yeah. You know, and then my other thing is Beverly Goldstein. It's really sad that the people in Ohio 11 continue to go for Marsha Fudge and this you don't have to work if you don't want to because I'm going to protect you mentality. I mean, Beverly Goldstein actually seemed like somebody who wanted to try to help these people and it didn't happen. It just well, you know, you know the old adage: you 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 can lead a horse to water, you can't make him drink. You can yeah. lead these people to schools, you can lead them to uh, education, and which will lead them to prosperity. But you can't make them do it, uh, and and they don't want to do it. Especially the poorer parts of that district. It's a weird mixed bag of a uh, of a district, as you know. It's got some wealthier communities, but the impoverished ones uh, and the uh, minority uh, laden ones demographically, they just love their Marsha because Marsha exactly what she said. She says, I don't have to work, and they're still going to feed me. They're still going to house me. They're still going to clothe me. They're still going to give me all the stuff that I need, and I'm fine with that. And they reject uh, any notion that Beverly Goldstein uh, offered them of uh, of trying to help themselves find a better way in their lives. And uh, so, you know, you, you do what you've always done. You get what you always got, and that's what they're going to get in the 11th District. Yeah, like I said, my my other you know, like my other big thing is do we do we have somebody who's just going to be a Washington go along to get along, or do we need a Jim Jordan who's going to well, we do. We do articulate it so people yeah. can understand. We absolutely do need a Jim Jordan. I would love to see him be the. Uh, uh, thank you, Joanne. I would love to he- see him be the minority leader in in Congress and and literally be you know potentially in twenty 2020 twenty or twenty twenty two if we win this thing back uh, you know the next speaker uh, because that's what we do. We need somebody who is conservative minded. There, I'm not a huge Kevin McCarthy fan. He's pretty much you know Paul Ryan part two. Uh, not exactly my first choice to be the uh, minor uh, the uh, minority leader for the Republican Party in the House. I, I do like you're thinking there. Let me go to uh, Jan in Cleveland before the break. Hey, Jan, you're on the air. Go ahead. Oh, hi. I was listening to Nancy Pelosi, and she has stolen that phrase in e pluribus unum from uh, Dennis Prager. He's been talking that phrase up for a long time, and uh, she's actually, all the good things she says is what Trump has already done. So she's trying to take, uh, give the uh, Democrat Party credit for what what Trump has already accomplished. So... Well, yeah, you're you're right, and that's what Obama has been trying to do. And and and, but but what's odd about it though is she said what we are going to do is raise the wages for for uh, uh, for hardworking Americans, and we are going to improve the economy uh, by way of this, that, and the other, as if it isn't already done. The wages have oh, risen right. higher than they have in ten years. The economy is better than anything Barack Obama ever dreamed of, and yet she's saying this is what we are going to do. So and Sherrod yeah. Brown is has done the same thing, and and then and then they have the. Uh, audacity to call someone else a liar oh and she's going to drain the swamp yeah that that too (laughs) right i mean it's co-opting so much of what the right says because you know what she's she she may be you know she may be I don't know if I want to use the word evil, but I guess I will. She may be evil in terms of her ideas for this country, but she's not stupid. And she knows that the language she just used there is the language that helps President Trump resonate with the American people, drain the swamp, improve the economy, all these things that Trump has said and done that has made him continue to have a huge impact on these elections. She's going to try to co-opt and then make it their own. Uh, Thanks for the call, Jan. Let me get news now. More of your calls right after this on AM 1420. The The Answer. 
1035 now. We do continue on AM 1420. The answer, I'm in the middle of uh, doing scheduling for tomorrow's show. Even as this show continues, I'm talking to some of the uh, uh, Ohio Republican Party leaders, to some of the RNC leaders. We're going to have a very busy show tomorrow. In addition to Peter Kersenow, who will join us with his election analysis on tomorrow's program, uh, we're going to have Governor-elect Mike DeWine. Uh, I just spoke to him on Monday, obviously, the day before the election, and uh, uh, you know tried to ratchet up the support for him. I was nervous last night, I will tell you. When the early returns, and even midway through the returns came in, and when I'm, ta- when I'm talking 30, 40, 50%, or whatever the number was of, of um, precincts reporting, it looked like Richard Cordray was going to be the next governor of the state of Ohio, and I was, I was almost in panic mode. Um, and I will tell you that I was pleasantly surprised a short while later when I looked and I saw that they were projecting Mike DeWine the winner. Boy, once the, uh, uh, you know, the rest of the votes started to come in from a lot of the rural areas of the state of Ohio, um, it, uh, you know, it, it really eased my mind and it ensured that we were not going to go back to the ways of Ted Strickland, uh, and the rat, ridiculous tax and spend type, uh, leadership that he was responsible for in the state of Ohio under Richard Cordray. So Mike DeWine, the attorney general, is now the governor elect. I spoke with him on Monday as the candidate. I will speak to him as the governor-elect tomorrow on this program. We're also probably going to check in with Bob Paduchik, co-chair of the RNC, about all of the national races. And we'll try to answer this question, too. And in fact, maybe you can answer it. I just had somebody text me, or not text me, tweet, a tweet to me. Find me on Twitter at Radio Done Right. All one word, no spaces, no underscores. Radio Done Right. And somebody said to me, uh, tweeting to me from uh, at Constituents18, said, Bob, just curious how your thoughts on how does Ohio vote straight GOP for governor and state offices and then turn around and reelect liberal Sherrod Brown. And I wish I had a better answer. Uh, I don't know, uh, other than what I said to the, 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 the tweeter, and that is that Sherrod Brown ran a typical, disgustingly ugly negative campaign in smearing Jim Renacci with lies. And he had the money to blanket the state with television and radio ads um, repeating those lies. Jim Renacci tried to not pay his taxes. How come you have to pay yours? He didn't pay his. Jim Renacci flew on a plane owned by a strip club owner. I mean, all of these different attacks that they levied at uh, Jim Renacci, they have an impact on voters. Look, Money matters. Money matters in elections. Jim Renacci's team did not have the resources financially to put tens of millions of dollars of ads on TV over the last two or three months. Sherrod Brown did. Why? Sherrod Brown is is backed and fully supported by special interest groups. Massive donations come into him, and he uses those those dollars to slander and smear and attack opponents, and it works. There's really no other way to say it. Sadly, if Richard Cordray had Sherrod Brown's special interest money in his bank account, he might have been able to do more attacking against Mike DeWine and may have won. Money matters. Look at what happened in Texas. Beto O'Rourke, Robert Francis O'Rourke, who changed his name to Beto, which I guess is some sort of what? A Latino version of Robert? Beto? 
uh, Birdo. Maybe he's supposed to be Birdo. We'll drop the R, make it Beto. It, whatever. He's trying to, uh, you know, to appeal uh, as a as an underdog minority candidate. Well, he got sixty million dollars in donations, a record sixty million dollars in donations to his Senate campaign against Ted Cruz. Most of it from outside the state of Texas. Most of it from California, Silicon Valley, Hollywood, because he's the Hollywood a star. And it doggone near worked, even though it's Texas, which is as red as, it, as red can get. O'Rourke almost upset Ted Cruz because of money. So it matters uh, in these races. It's sad to say, but it's true. It matters. And I think that's the biggest thing that cost Jim Renacci. And let me speak to this on Beverly Goldstein, too, if I may, before I go back to your calls. Because a previous caller mentioned Beverly and Marsha Fudge. That lady worked her tail off, not for power, not for glory, not for a government job. She's 70 years old. She's a doctor. She's a certified audiologist. She's not trying to advance a political career. She's 70. She's at retirement age. She ran because she truly believed in, in everything that she has talked about on, uh, for uh, lo these many months about the future of the poor people in the poorest cities of District 11, which are among the poorest cities in the state of Ohio and in the United States of America. And how Marsha Fudge has absolutely turned her back on all of them. And by that, I mean refuses to help them to help themselves, refuses to do anything to help lift them up out of their poverty-stricken way of life, and instead continues to feed them crumbs because she knows every time she throws a handful of food by way of an EBT card at them that they'll throw votes back to her. Fine with me. I don't have to work. You're still going to give me all this stuff? I'm good. You keep doing your thing, and I'll keep voting for you. Beverly Goldstein wanted to change people's lives. Beverly Goldstein was honestly one of the most sincerely um, service-oriented candidates that I have seen in many, many, many years, maybe ever, since I started covering and talking about politics and studying them. She wanted to serve the people, truly. I know it's called government service when you run for office. And yes, there is a degree of service involved for everyone, but... She truly was not doing it for herself. She wasn't doing it for name, you know, uh, recognition for her ego. She wasn't doing it again for the money. She was doing it because she truly wanted to serve. She's watched and met the people in that district who have been so totally underserved by the AWOL Marsha Fudge, and she wanted to help them. And what did they do? They turned their back on her. 81%. Marsha Fudge got 81% of the vote to 18% for Beverly Goldstein. And all I can say to the voters in District 11, you should be ashamed of yourselves. Absolutely ashamed of yourselves. If you voted based on your race, you should be ashamed of yourself. If you voted based on the uh, ease with which you can get public assistance because Marsha Fudge keeps you in that state, you should be ashamed of yourselves. If you voted because getting up and out of your situation is too hard and Beverly Goldstein wanted me to what? Go to school as an adult and learn to read, become literate so that I can actually get a job that will take me into the, uh, into the next age, then you should be ashamed of yourselves. 
It was an absolute disgrace what happened last night in District 11. And Beverly Goldstein has my admiration, my respect, and I am extraordinarily proud of her. And I wish the voters in the the 11th District knew what in the living hell they were doing. Sorry for that. Donnie and Euclid, you're on AM 1420, The Answer. Go ahead, sir. No, you. I, could, I couldn't have said it any better than the way you said it. I don't know about you, Bob, but the only time that I ever saw her face or the only time I ever heard her voice was about a week or so ago when she was part of that panel of groups with uh, Dan Gilbert and Adam Silver when the uh, All-Star game was presented to Cleveland. Whoopi. What the heck? Yeah. Is, what good does that do? And and uh, and and as far as the uh, the Ohio Ohio politics goes, I can't understand. People should have thought through Sherrod Brown from years ago when when I believe it was General uh, Colin Powell put him in his place when he made a fool of himself in front of a panel when he was a congressperson. And and I, I just I just don't understand how we could we could. We could manage to we could manage to win for 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 the, for the governor elect DeWine and then put that clown back in the office and I and I end with this last like I said I should I should be optimistic but I'm not because I, I'm going to tell you the truth what you heard from Nancy Pelosi was Pelosi speak as far as raising people's helping people's salaries get get raised. That's Pelosi speak for raising the minimum wage. No question about it. You're 100% right. That That's liberal speak. Pelosi speak and a lot of others who echo the exact same thoughts. That's very, very accurate, uh, Donnie. I appreciate that. And, yeah, I, like I said, I mean, it, it is it is frustrating to see the red uh, sweep in the state of Ohio at all of the races. I mean, seriously, from governor to uh, attorney general to secretary of state to treasurer and so on and so forth, auditor, uh, they swept them all, and then yet somehow Ohioans voted for Sherrod Brown overwhelmingly. And again, it's the power of money and the power of that kind of advertising, that negative campaigning that he ran. Gary in uh, Mayfield Heights is next. Hi, Gary, go ahead. Hey, Bob, Gary Minaglio here. How you doing? Uh, I'm good. Nancy Pelosi, here's what I would say to Nancy Pelosi if I could talk to her. But Nancy, you only have one half of one third. That's exactly what the Republicans told us. With one half of one third, you could talk all you want, make all the noise you want, but they're not going to get very far. Plus, I think Nancy Pelosi, and I'm very proud of this, those 25 or 35 that she picked up, Okay, they got them, but that makeup is not what Nancy Pelosi has normally worked with. I think what they've got on the Democratic side are a lot of good people that want to do some things, especially the high level of military experience they have from all different walks. So I'm looking forward to seeing uh, what she sees. I think she's going to have some blowback. I think she's going to have the military. Being a 25-year veteran myself, I was really pulling for John James up there in Michigan to take it because he's a great guy from West Point. Um, and he didn't make it. That's the type of quality that we're getting from these military folks. And I think it's both on the Democratic and the and the uh, Republican side. The new the new younger ones going in, and specifically with military experience, are going to say, "Hey, slow down here, slow down. We need we need Paul. Well, let's concentrate on 
I'll tell you what, I like I like the way you think. Um, you're, in other words, what you're saying is she may have the majority now, but this isn't a majority of just far-left uh, people like her, that there may be some actual moderate Democrats in there, maybe some people who support the military, maybe some people who aren't the typical Democrats who won some of these races, and she might find it a little harder to get a, a consensus among her own party uh, to get some of these things done. I think that's a very astute observation, yeah, and I can... And I can I can only hope that you, that it's accurate and they don't fall into the pressure from yeah. the rest of the party once they get there. Absolutely. They're going to jump into the pond with everybody else. The other thing is the high female content that was being pushed last night. If the high female content was there because they were the, they were the suburb female types that didn't like the way the rhetoric is going, then I don't think they would like Nancy Pelosi and the rhetoric she's using. I think she, they're going to get some blowback, and we're going to see some crossovers underneath her, around her, between the Republican side and the Democratic side. It's just a matter of can our can our somewhat fickle Republican side actually actually do what needs to be done now. But I think I think Trump's I think Trump sees it, Trump knows it, and we're gonna see more policy and more cooperation. How would you how would you feel about Jim Jordan as the uh, minority leader? I would I would feel well two things. One, I think he needs to be there because it's, it's he's due to have that with all he's done. And I like the fact that he would provide the oversight. He would continually keep telling President Trump, we could reach across, we could reach across. Let's stay with the conservatives, but let's work some deals here. Um, I think it was Mike Gallagher this morning, but no, not this morning, or whoever was this morning, Hugh Hewitt was saying, I think what we're going to see is the deal work. Okay, we got this DACA stuff, we'll give you the DACA, but we're going to get the wall too. You know, we're going we're to do what we need to do. I think we're going to see a lot more cooperation. President tried that, though. Way. President tried that, though. He, he offered, yeah. in fact, more than just the 800,000 DACA or 700,000 DACA. He offered 1.8 million. So, in other words, not only DACA recipients, but those who were eligible for DACA but chose not to sign up for it. We'll let them stay, too. And they still rejected that. So, I don't know. Yeah, he, not, he, now that they're going to be the majority, it'll be any better. He did it with all with the Republicans in charge. Now that the House is there, hey, they've got to make something happen. The Republicans can sit there with their arms folded and say, here's all the things we're willing to work with you on. You willing to work? Or are you yeah. going to put us all in our place now? So, I think I think they're in a position, and matter of fact, I kind of like the fact that they took the House back. I really do, because now it's like, okay, put up. Where's your policy? So uh, this is good stuff. I, uh, I I like your optimism. I, let yeah. me say this, Gary, because i got to get some other people on. I yeah. like your optimism, but I'm going to fall short of saying uh, I'm glad they took back the House because now it's up to them to put policies up. I don't uh, Because what my fear is, that the great gains we have gained economically in the first two years, which should lead to a a walkthrough to re-election for President Trump, no matter what they put up there against him uh, in 2020. The economic growth is going gonna, is gonna to lag because the Democrats are going to institute policies that will, uh, that will slow it down so that Trump cannot continue to take credit for this great economy. And moreover, they're going to try to stop all legislative matters with their investigations. We're going to subpoena this. We're going to investigate that. We're going to look into his taxes. We're going to look into potential impeachment and all these other things. And that's what I'm concerned about. No matter what Mueller comes back with, they're going to come back with more election tampering or they're going to allege more collusion and all of this stuff. And that uh, is a great concern to me. So for that reason, I am not looking forward to a Democrat majority in the Congress or in the House. Now, having said all of that, I asked you that question a moment ago about how you would feel about Jim Jordan as potential minority speaker for a reason. And the reason why is it's going to happen, or at least he is running for it. This Your is name Jim. has been talked about yeah. for quite a while as somebody who may decide to throw his hat in the ring. 
Yeah, are you going? Are you, you are going to. You I are. plan to run for minority leader. Yes. Uh, look, I think um, in 2016, the American people elected Republicans to come here and change this town. I think the president is doing just that. But I don't think they see the same intensity from uh, folks in, in Congress, folks in the House of Representatives. I mean, have we replaced Obamacare yet? Have we secured the border yet? Have we reformed welfare yet? No, we haven't. Now, again, the president's got a lot of things done, and we've helped with some of that, certainly. The regulation. All right, I, mean, I didn't mean for that audio to glitch there, but it's okay because I need to get to traffic anyway. But what you just heard was uh, uh, Representative Jim Jordan telling the Hill TV that, yes, he is going to challenge Kevin McCarthy, the current majority leader, for the status as minority leader to lead the Republicans while Nancy Pelosi controls the gavel as the majority uh, as the uh, as the Speaker of the House, rather, for the Democrat majority House of Representatives. So that's great news. Jim Jordan wants to be the minority leader, and I hope he is successful in achieving that. If Republicans in the House have any any sense whatsoever and any true designs on limiting the power of Nancy Pelosi and the majority Democrats, they will get Kevin McCarthy, who is weak and rhino-y, away from that position and put a strong conservative like the Freedom Caucus founder Jim Jordan in his place as minority leader. More coming up after this. All right, 1055. We got just five minutes of uh, outstanding awesome left. Let's get as many phone calls in as possible before that, uh, before Mike Gallagher takes over. Dan has been waiting in Middleburg Heights. You're on AM 1420, the answer. Hi, Dan. Go ahead. Uh, good morning. I, I just want to vent on Rob Brown being reelected. This is an example of a weakness in our system where originally, before the 17th Amendment, the state legislatures were supposed to appoint senators to be represented in Washington. This is a problem, and I don't believe for a second that all these people can vote Republican and all these key, you know, the governor and go right down the line across Ohio, yet they got dumb on Brown. There's something wrong somewhere in the system. Um. I, I won't go to the, the the place you're going on that, Dan, which it sounds like you're saying you don't trust the election results. Uh, because, I don't know, but there's something wrong. Yeah, because of I, I, yeah, I, no I don't want to go. reasonable person would. The, the, only, the only thing I would say, as I kind of said before, though, Dan, is that you know, in those other races, and you know, in the race for the auditor treasurer, it's even in the governor's race, there was a lot of you know Cordray negative ads about um, uh, Dewine doesn't want to cover pre-existing conditions. It was different than the, ra- the campaign that Brown ran statewide against Renacci. He painted Renacci in the worst possible light with negative campaign ads, and he had more money than the rest of those Democrats who ran in the state races you just talked about combined. Because of all of his special interest money, tens of millions of dollars over the last couple of months of constant negative ads about Jim Renacci. It has an impact. You know, research shows those dollars are not wasted. Those dollars can change voters' minds. And if it turned uh, Republicans away from Jim Renacci, and I, I have friends who were Renacci supporters who have said to me, man, he ran a bad campaign. I have had friends tell me that. How come I don't hear him responding to uh, to um, uh, Sherrod Brown? Uh, and the answer is you can't respond at the level that he attacks because you don't have that much money. They just they just don't. And so money matters, and that's the big difference I think between the Brown race result and the rest of the Ohio Republican sweep that we talked about. Carl is in Parma next. Hi, Carl. Go ahead. Uh, good morning. Good morning. Um, so there was a lot of conversation throughout the the, 
election process about whose side the, the media was on. And I just wanted to bring up, uh, I don't know if you saw it, the PD editorial this morning. So they basically, it looks like they wrote it last night. They said the election's not over yet, but it's obvious that DeWine is probably going to win. And then they they wrote this multi-paragraph article explaining how he better govern in many ways following things that Cordray would have done. So election's <laughs> not even over. The results aren't even final. But you better do what Cordray was going to do. I mean, it was... Uh, Maybe it's me, but it's. I thought it was just unbelievably one-sided and uh, disingenuous. Well, yeah, it does not surprise me at all with the PD, uh, but it is amazing that they said, okay, DeWine's going to win, but he better act like Cordray. That just makes no sense whatsoever. That's like saying, hey, I'm glad that the Democrats won control of the House. They better run it the same way the Republicans would have. It doesn't work that way. Thanks for the call, my friend. Esther in Cleveland. I've only got about 45 seconds, Esther, but they're yours. Go ahead. Okay, thanks. The PD this morning, lead article, talking about wave of discontentment, hordes of first-time voters, that's out of Los Angeles. Data, when I look, looked at uh, Mr. Renacci having 47% coming from a late start, that's pretty good, considering Mr. Brown was painting himself as a, a victim, oh, saying shame on you, Mr. Uh, Mr. Renacci. Also, you want to look at page 14, Beverly Goldstein is given the data as if she won. At 43,000 versus Martha Fudge at 17,000. That's page 14, A14. Oh, then they had a misprint there of some kind because I know Marsha Fudge, I think the whole totals were in last night. She had around 81% of the vote. So I don't know where they got that. They, they obviously had a mistake in their printing. All right, that's it. That's all the time that I've got for today. Reaction Wednesday. But tomorrow, well, it's going to continue. Reaction Thursday. And Mike DeWine will join us tomorrow as well. Stay where you are. Mike Gallagher's next. Enjoy the silence. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.